Hello and welcome to Books by Old Dead Guys. I'm David. And I'm Scott. And this is episode number 59 in our journey through uh, some uh, old writings, old but true writings. Man, you want to hear something cool? What? This is episode 59, Uh and today we start on page 59. Indeed, we do. There's no way we're clever enough to plan something like that. (laughs) But it happened. But it happened. It totally happened. Yeah. So catch us up to page 59. Yeah, so we've been reading through Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices by Thomas Brooks, which, as we have said a couple of times now... Has probably been the most practical book we've read together so far. One of the more helpful ones. I just had a conversation today with a guy who told me how much he loved this book and this podcast. So thanks for listening, Brian. And so we, um, we've been walking through the, the particular device is making the soul bold to venture upon the occasions of sin. So what Brooks is saying is we have this tendency to, um, see how close we can get to sin without turning away from it, looking at, extra, you know, taking just a, a second look or even a long first look or getting close to touching, but not holding, you know, like we want to see how close we can get to sin. And Brooks is just blowing this out the water. Um, the last thing we talked about last week was that there is no, there is no uh, conquest over sin without turning away from it. Like if you want to conquer sin in your life, then flee immorality, which is, obviously in the Bible. And so that is where we left off when we got to page 59 and Mm. remedy three. The third remedy against this device of Satan is seriously to consider that other precious saints that were once glorious on earth and are now triumphing in heaven have turned from the occasion of sin as hell itself. As you may see in Joseph, Genesis 39.10, And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. Joseph was famous for all the four cardinal virtues, if ever any were. In this one temptation, you may see his fortitude, justice, temperance, and prudence, in that he shuns the occasion, for he would not so much as be with her, and that a man is indeed that he is in a temptation but is to is, which is but a tap to give vent to corruption the nazarite might not only might not only not drink wine that's a sentence right there there's the, a double negative in that sentence the nazarite might not only not drink wine wow. but not taste a grape or the husk of a grape there's a lot of knots it's a very not-filled sentence. <laughs> the leper was to shave his hair and his and pare his nails. The devil counts a fit occasion half a conquest, for he knows that a corrupt nature hath a seed plot for all sin, which being drawn forth and watered by some sinful occasion is soon set a work to the producing of death and destruction. God will not remove the temptation till we remove the occasion. Oh, what a great sentence. A bird, whiles aloft, is safe, but she comes not near the snare without danger. The shunning, the occasion of sin, renders a man most like the best of men. A soul eminently gracious dares not come near the trap, though he be far off the blow. So Job 31.1. I have made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? 
I set a watch at the entrance of my senses that my soul might not by them be infected or endangered. The eye is the window of the soul, and if that should always should be always open, the soul might smart for it. A man may not look intently upon that, that he may not love entirely. The disciples were set agog by beholding the beauty of the temple. It is best and safest to have the eye always fixed upon the highest and noblest objects, as the mariner's eye is fixed upon the star when their hand is on the stem. So David, when he was himself, he shuns the occasion of sin. I have Psalm 26, 4 and 5. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go with dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. Stories speak of some that could not sleep when they thought of the trophies of other worthies that went before them. The highest and choicest examples are to some, and should be to all, very quickening and provoking. And oh, that the examples of those worthy saints, David, Joseph, and Job, might prevail with all your souls to shun and avoid the occasions of sin. Every one should strive to heed light to them in grace, that they may desire to be equal within glory. He that shooteth at the sun, though he be far short, will shoot higher than he that aimeth at a shrub. It is best... And it speaks out much of Christ within to I, the highest and the worthiest examples. Hmm. Yeah. So, man, a couple of really key highlights in this particular remedy. One is he's he's telling us to look to the example of the saints of the Bible who did this, yeah. which is nice. You know, quite often we look in the Bible for examples of people who really messed it up royally. And here he's like, you know, there's the people who got it right. Let's look at them. And so, you know, you see Joseph and his temptation. He talks about David and his finer moments. In his finer moments. But but not in his not finer moments, because those are not good examples of this particular yes. device. But man, the 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 sentence to me that means the most out of this little passage is God will not remove the temptation till we remove the occasion. Yeah. You know, in other words, you know, you can't just if I'm if I have a drinking problem and I walk into a bar and I just stand there and say, Lord, deliver me from temptation. Lord, deliver me from temptation. Lord, deliver me from temptation. Well, he's not going to move my feet for me. No. You know, I, I need to get out. But if I do, then he will. Mm-hmm. But there's a there's a there's an effort involved on our side. And he's so he's making that point. He's saying, look at these saints and look at what they did. You know, Joseph didn't just stand there and wait for the occasion to 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 change he fled you know mm-hmm. naked out of the house to get away from Potiphar's wife and so he's he's showing this picture and then he says and and if we're, as we're looking at these people you know these are high and noble folks who who are obviously not us you know but but at the same time it's good to have goals like that, you know. So he uses this illustration of shooting for the stars, you know, shooting at the sun and even when you're short you're still you're still going to shoot higher than if you aim at a shrub, mm-hmm. which I thought was helpful. So yeah, that's a that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, I, I appreciated. He said the devil counts a fit occasion half a conquest. Hmm. That idea that if the devil can just get you in the occasion of sin, and just in the circumstances that tend to bring sin about, yep, he considers the victory to be half won. Yep, let me just get you in the door. I'm, I'm halfway there. Yep, I'm, you're you're. <laughs> 
He's just he's just waiting because he and and Brooks describes it as he knows that the, the sin nature is a he says a seed plot for all sin. Yeah, yeah. That it doesn't take much water. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take much to put us on the work of producing death and destruction mm-hmm. in our lives. That's so true, man. Yeah. You know, but that that's the if he can get you in the door. Then he's got you. It's interesting because that's, that's a sales tactic. That's how salesmen work as well. <laughs> I'm not making a comparison of salesman to Satan because I love, you know, I get sales can be a noble profession. But mm. if you've ever bought a car, that's the experience. They want you to get to their desk. If they get you to their desk, the, the chances of buying that car increase exponentially. Oh, yeah. Right? Because we got you in the door. If they can get you in the door, come sit down. Let's talk. Mm-hmm. Now they can, now you know, you, but it's just what happens. Our resolve is weakened. From standing outside to sitting, right? So it's it's the Psalm one thing, right? We mm-hmm. don't we don't walk in the way of sinners. We don't stand. We don't sit. There's this walk, stand, sit. Walk, stand, sit. There's this procession, right? So it's if I'm walking with evil people, if I'm standing with evil people, then I'll probably walk with them. If I'm walking with them, the next thing you know, I'm sitting with them, and now mm-hmm. it's destruction. So yeah, yeah it's good. Mm. It's good. So remedy number four. The fourth remedy against this device of Satan is solemnly to consider that the avoiding the occasions of sin is an evidence of grace and that which lifts up a man above most other men in the world. That a man is indeed which is which he is in temptation. And when sinful occasions do present themselves before the soul, this speaks out both the truth and the strength of grace. When with Lot... A man can be chaste in Sodom, and with Timothy can live temperate in Asia among luxurious Ephesians, and with Job can walk uprightly in the land of Uz, where the people were profane in their lives and superstitious in their worship. And with Daniel, be holy in Babylon, and with Abraham, righteous in Chaldea, and with Nehemiah, zealous in Damascus, etc. Many a wicked man is big and full of corruption, but shows it not for want of occasion. But that a man is surely good, who in his course will not be bad, though tempted by occasions. Mm. A Christless soul is so far from refusing occasions when they come in in his way, that he looks and longs after them. And rather than he he will go without them, he will buy them not only with love or money, but also with the loss of his soul. Nothing but grace can fence a man against the occasions of sin when he is strongly tempted thereunto. Therefore, as you would cherish a precious evidence in your own bosoms of the truth and strength of your graces, shun all sinful occasions. Oh, man, that's good. So there's a, there's a word of encouragement there. Uh, he says, you know, that, that the turning away of sin, the, the turning away of the occasion of sin is an evidence of grace in our lives. You know, so so the encouragement is when you do this, it's a supernatural work. Yeah. Right. There's a there's a Philippians two at play right here. It's, it's working out your salvation with fear and trembling. But that's useless if God is not also at work in you mm. to will in the way like there's this both and happening at the same time. And what he's saying is when this happens. That's what's going on. It's not just that you're turning away from the occasion of sin. This is evidence of a changed man. Yeah. The evidence of a changed man is not that he doesn't sin for fear of getting caught. 
The evidence of a changed man is that he doesn't sin. Period. Caught or not. Yeah. You know, regardless of whether people are watching or anyone will ever find out, it's the right thing to do, so he does the right thing, or it's the wrong thing to do, and so he avoids doing the wrong thing. And that's what that's what Brooks is saying is this is this is all God's grace. It's a work of grace in your life. And we are often wanting to see these evidences of grace mm-hmm. in our life. How do I know that I'm saved? You know, how do I know that I'm a Christian? I get lots of questions, and I bet you do too, but the one that I found most common sitting in the pad in my office talking to a church member, somehow usually revolves around, how do I know that I am saved? Mm-hmm. Right? And the evidence is, do you see change? Are you different? You know, and by different, I don't just mean, do you look different? You know, I don't just mean, do you have joy? I mean, are you working to kill sin? Can you recall occasions in your life where you had the opportunity to sin and you chose not to do it, not because you didn't want to get caught, but because you wanted to honor God? Can you can you, mm-hmm. can you identify moments in your day or in your year where you start, your mind started down a rabbit hole and you took those thoughts captive and you said, no, it's not where I'm going. And the Lord moved you in a different direction. Those are the greatest evidences that God has done something in your life. Hmm. So, yeah. 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 Well, you we can keep I going. I have nothing to add to that. No, I think that's good. <laughs> so. Well, I mean... Yeah, we might as well start on the eighth device. All righty. I went a little faster than expected. So device number eight. Here we go. By representing to the soul the outward mercies that vain men enjoy and the outward miseries that they are freed from, Wallace, they have walked in the ways of sin. Mm. Saith Satan, dost thou see, O soul, the many mercies that such and such enjoy? that walk in those very ways that thy soul startles to think of, and the many crosses that they are delivered from, even such as makes other men, that they that say that that say they dare not walk in such ways, to spend their days in sighing, weeping, groaning, and mourning. And therefore, saith Satan, if ever thou wouldest be freed from the dark night of adversity and enjoy the sunshine of prosperity, (laughs) thou must walk in their ways. (laughs) By this stratagem, the devil took those in Jeremiah 44, 16 through 18, which says, As for the word that thou hast spoken unto us in the name of the Lord, we will not hearken unto thee, but we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth to burn incense unto the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her as we have done, we and our fathers, our kings and our princes in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. For then had we plenty of victuals and we were well and saw no evil. But since we left off to burn incense to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her, we have wanted all things and have been consumed by the sword and by the famine. This is just the language of a world of ignorant, profane, and superstitious souls in London and England that would have made them a captain to return to bondage. Yea, to that bondage that was worse than that the Israelites groaned under. Oh, say they, 
Since such and such persons have been put down and left off, we have had nothing but plundering and taxing and butchering of men. And therefore we will do as we and our kings and nobles and fathers have formerly done. For then we had plenty at home and peace abroad, and there was none to make us afraid. Mm. Okay, so this device is Satan putting in front of you what you're what you're missing, if you will, right? Yeah. The things that you might possibly enjoy if you'll just indulge in sin. And uh, and he, of course he hides the consequences, yeah. right? He hides the the worst part of it, but then he says this, if ever thou will be freed from the dark night of adversity and enjoy the sunshine of prosperity, thou must walk in their ways. Yeah. Envy. Envy of those who are not following the Lord. Yes. Yeah. And and mixed with that envy, he also mixes in a a level of nostalgia. Yes. That, you know, the things were, things were better back when we didn't follow the Lord. Things were easier and simpler and, Mm -hmm. and, there were less problems and there were less adversities and yep. if only if only we could go back. Right. Yeah, look at look at these look at these people. Remember <laughs> that you used to be one of these people. Don't you miss that? Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. All right. I feel like we need to hit at least one remedy before yeah. we leave it there. All right. Remedy one. The first remedy is solemnly to consider that no man knows how the heart of God stands by his hand. His hand of mercy may be toward a man when his heart may be against that man, as you may see in Saul and others. And the hand of God may be set against a man when the heart of God is dearly set upon a man, as you may see in Job and Ephraim. The hand of God was sorely set against them, and yet the heart and bowels of God were strongly working towards them. No man knoweth either love or hatred by outward mercy or misery. For all things come alike to all, to the righteous and to the unrighteous, to the good and to the bad, to the clean and to the unclean. The sun of prosperity shines as well upon brambles of the wilderness as upon fruit trees of the orchard. The snow and hail of adversity lights upon the best garden as well as upon the sinking dunghill or the wild waste. Ahab's and Josiah's ends concur in the very circumstances. Saul and Jonathan, though different in their natures, deserts, and deportments, yet in their deaths they were not divided. Health, wealth, honors, crosses, sicknesses, losses are cast upon good men and bad men Promiscuously. Promiscuously. The whole Turkish Empire is nothing else but a crust cast by heaven's great housekeeper to his dogs. Moses dies in the wilderness as well as those that murmured. Nabal is rich as well as Abraham. Ahithophel wise as well as Solomon. And Doeg honored by Saul as well as Joseph was by Pharaoh. Usually the worst of men have most of these outward things, and the best of men have least of earth, though most of heaven. Mm. Don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah. You cannot cannot tell what God's heart is by the way his hand moves. Yes, yes. Yeah, the hand of God may be set against a man when the heart of God is dearly set upon a man. I love that. Mm. Yeah, that sometimes it's the... 
Is that it's, my, it's it's one of my favorite songs, the um, God moves in a mysterious way. Yeah. Uh, behind a frowning providence, he holds a smiling face. Mm. But there's a there's a reality that we don't know why his providence moves in the way that it does, but we trust that it does. And so you see the worst of men mm-hmm. having most of these outward things, right? But but what do we get? We get Christ and mm. heaven and eternity. And when you put those things, if you were to put those things on spiritual scales, they would not be equal. No. But because but because we're in this flesh and in a fallen world, mm-hmm. we sometimes get that mixed up. And yeah. it feels like they might be. And so that's his reminder of just, hey, you know, you've got a you've got a greater gift. Mm-hmm. Again, if you're trying to spin this around, how's Brooks saying this in the positive? You have something even greater than all those things that Satan's telling you that you're missing out on. It's just a yeah. matter of knowing what you have. Yeah. And recognizing it. Mm. Good. Mm. Well, okay. Well, thank you, friends. It has been a joy to sit and read this with you again today as we think about how we might grow in Christ through it. If it's been a blessing to you, we love it if you would share it uh, with others and tell them about what we're trying to do here. And we will talk again soon. Goodbye.